Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. And I just like to occasionally um, remind you that I understand that abuse can go either direction. It's not gender specific. I just tend to talk to women because that is who I interact with. That's who I am um, facilitating and resourcing on a regular basis. But I do understand that a woman can be an abuser and that this can go either direction. I was unable to record last week because I had about a 12-day stretch where I was very sick. I believe it was just a nasty head cold, but it definitely took me down, took me out of commission. And I'm just reminded in those times um, of how important our health is. And, you know, I have been on a journey with my my health, especially since um, the fall of 2015, And I don't take the good days for granted. I can tell you that much. I am grateful for the days that I can get up and I can do the things that I want to do, the things that I need to do. And when I have a long stretch like that, almost two weeks, um, it can be a little bit scary. Because I remember when I had months and months that I was unable to function and unable to do the things that I needed to do. So I am feeling better. I do have a little bit of allergies going on today, which I hope will not Um, interfere with this recording, so please bear with me if they do. I also have two pups that aren't feeling the greatest. One is on my lap right now, so if you hear any rustling or anything like that, that may be what it is. I've got the other one right beside me, and prayers are appreciated because fur babies are part of the family, and we're just trying to figure out what they need right now. So I want to remind you that if you have not listened to the first episode in this series about the forms of abuse, go back and catch that. I do not encourage listening to these two back to back. It can be um, pretty dysregulating, especially if you can check off things in each category. But uh, make sure you take time to care for yourself before, during, after, take breaks, pauses, if it gets to be too much um, as I read through the specific examples. These are great resources to pass on to family and friends. If you have someone who truly wants to learn and is in helper mode and really wants to know better so that they can do better, these are great um, episodes to share. So um, hopefully you have someone like that in your life and this will just turn a light bulb on for them in understanding what you have endured. Also wonderful for anyone in the medical community, first responders, um, any type of teacher, educator, counselor, just really good information. I did not come up with these lists. (laughs) The amazing Sarah McDougall came up with this list and, um, I'm grateful. You can go to her website, Wilderness to Wild. I believe it's just wild. Um, I will link that in the show notes and you can actually print this off and have it, um, to give to other people and to share. So, Um, Speaking of Sarah, you ladies are welcome to join us for the third annual Held and Healed Retreat. This year it will be online. And again, you can go to the show notes and grab that link. And we are taking, I believe, 30 more ladies. We're trying to keep it kind of intimate. It's not just the event, which is September 8th and 9th. It's not just that event, but it is the months that are leading up to it where I have a small, intimate Facebook group and I am resourcing you every Monday with something that helps you with nervous system regulation. So we are focusing on rest, regulate, and reset is our theme. 
and I'm laying a foundation in the months preceding to give you content to begin learning about the nervous system and learning some things to do to help you um, to calm yourself and soothe yourself. And then our time together, September 8th and 9th, will be icing on the cake and it will just be things that will help you to continue on that healing journey. I regularly point out examples of abuse within domestic violence situations, within faith communities, childhood, sexual abuse, etc. In our group, Held and Healed, I am trying to balance, or actually more than balance, I'm trying to give you more resources and tools and tips for healing. But I am constantly exposing, this is the problem, this is the problem, because we have new people come into the group every week or every couple of weeks. And so I believe it's very important to share examples of what that abuse looks like, but I want there to be way more um, articles, way more um, content that focuses on the solution and how to heal and how to move forward. So when we come together in September with Sarah, if you are familiar with Sarah, you know that she is just a wealth of information. I'll be interviewing her soon to talk a little bit about um, probably the seasons of healing. I think that's what we're going to cover in the podcast. She, she does a really good job of explaining the different seasons that a woman goes through when she is getting out of a domestic violence situation. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hopefully this will not get bad. Um, so we have safety and then we have stability, strength, and then Shiro mode where a woman, after she's safe and stable and gains some strength, she may choose to go into the mode of, of helping others escape the fires of abuse. And so it's really important that we know what those seasons are and that we honor them in our own lives and in the lives of other women so that we're not pushing and forcing stability in Shiro before they're even, we're not forcing um, strength in Shiro before they're even safe or stable. Really, really important, important progression there. So with that being said, <clears throat> I'm going to pick up on the handout that you can get from Sarah's website. Um, I was trying to see if the address, the email address was here, but it's not. <coughs> Excuse me. Is this abuse recognizing red flags? And remember that all of these examples are like um, they're orbiting around the main, the main planet. Okay, the main planet is the abuse of power where they create chaos, they're credit hogs, delusions of grandeur, they're entitled supremists, they're obsessed with quote-unquote respect, they're fixated on appearance. It's all about having power and control over someone. So like I said in the previous episode, you may say, oh, I've done this or I've done that on occasion. There may be a couple things here that you have done. But if your core motive was not to have power and control over someone, chances are that you're probably not an abuser. If you saw the harm and the damage that you did to another person and you repaired that and you repented and you moved from that and really made a change, you're probably not an abuser. Okay, So this is about people who do these things regularly it's a habit for them and they're doing it because they want to have control and power over another human being so we're picking up on the right hand side of this handout and we're starting today with medical abuse so again this is a great resource for anyone who is in the medical field to to learn to recognize these things in their patients if they are obstructing medical care 
if they're causing traumatic stress, causing health conditions. So this is where we say that, again, emotional and mental and verbal ongoing abuse is physical abuse because it causes your body to be in a constant state of fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And many women are experiencing chronic health issues as they come out of abuse because of what it's done to their body long term. And I just started the book um, this week called When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate. I strongly encourage you to read that if you are able, take it in small chunks. But it explains the stress that the body goes through. If they are withholding or over-medicating you, that's medical abuse. If they're preventing access to therapy, so this would be counseling or any other type of therapy. If they are saying, oh, no, that's stupid, or no, you can't do that, or that goes against our religious beliefs, etc., that's medical. That's a form of medical abuse. If they are falsely reporting conditions or interfering with the healthcare coverage plans or violating body integrity by forcing surgeries or abortion. So anywhere that your medical health is in jeopardy and this person is standing between you and the care that you need to be well. Those could all be considered medical abuses. Then we move on to physical. And of course, this one is a little bit more obvious. This one is one that there's more provision for. This is one that more people recognize. This is one that's more obvious. This is one that <clears throat> there may be laws against, okay? Whereas there may not be for other forms of abuse yet. We pray for change in that regard. So driving recklessly, road rage, or just entitlement, like I'm the only person that deserves to be on the road. So if you have on occasion had road rage, you probably had some like really just pent up things inside of you that you had not dealt with elsewhere, that does not automatically mean that you're an abuser. I just want to clarify that. It means you probably need to deal with some things and speak with a therapist and figure out where these intense emotions are coming from. If you're doing this to control or someone's doing this to control someone else or to put fear in someone else and the person in the car or the children in the car are expressing that they are scared or that it's intimidating and they're not making changes, then that would be an example of abuse. If someone disturbs your sleep intentionally to keep you from getting a good night's rest, that is a form of physical abuse. We can go longer without food than we can without good rest and good sleep at night. Our bodies need good sleep. So if someone is interrupting or if they're waking you up and forcing you to have sex when you are asleep or if they're taking advantage of you while you're asleep, those are all examples of physical abuse. If they choke, Okay, I actually want to use the word strangle, restrain or control your breath. Choking actually involves having something inside of you, like food or an object that's choking you, whereas strangulation is external. And the statistics, I don't have them right here with me, but if you were to research the statistics of someone who strangles someone and puts their hands around their neck, and how much higher the risk is for them killing you. It is staggering, staggering. So please take that seriously. If someone has put their hands around your neck and tried to strangle you and take the breath or the life from you, you need to get help immediately. If they block exits and won't let you leave the room, 
So they are intimidating you. Um, they don't have to lay their hands on you to be physically abusive. Remember that, okay? If they prevent you from getting or receiving medical care, like we talked about previously, if they throw things or use items, um, did I? I may not have gone through this list alphabetically, so I apologize. I'm just going through the columns. If um, they throw things or use other items other than their hands to cause you pain or fear, if they slap, hit, kick, punch, bite, pinch, spit, any of those things to show their power over you. All right, now we're going to move into the category of psychological abuse. If they do things and then deny it later, so gaslighting, if they terrorize you or act like nothing happened, if they project responsibility or display weapons to scare you, if they convince you that they know better than you do, if they threaten to hurt or kill themselves or others. So there's a lot of other things that could go in this category. These are just samples in each category to give you an idea. And you might be like, oh my gosh, that happened. Oh my gosh, that happened. So um, gaslighting is very common with abusers. And basically it causes you to doubt and question your own reality, your own memory, and your sanity honestly, because you remember something, you bring it to their attention. You say, this caused me harm. This made me feel unsafe. This scared me. And they're like, what are you talking about? That didn't happen. Or they somehow project what they did onto you or they deflect. Okay. Those are all really common um, tactics of an abuser. Um, If they if they threatened to hurt or kill themselves or others. So this is pretty common. Um, yes, we want to take people seriously when they say that they're going to hurt themselves. And so if an abuser says that to you, um, they're going to kill themselves or they're going to kill you, I would definitely reach out for um, professional legal help because it's sometimes really hard to distinguish between who means it and who's just using it as a threat. But either way, they're dangerous, right? Either way, even if they're not planning to follow through, but they're using that to control you and manipulate you, it's still dangerous. There is a thing called reproductive abuse, and this is one of the new categories that Sarah added to her list. So if they're pressuring her to conceive, if they're shaming or celebrating a loss, so if she has had a miscarriage and there is absolutely no compassion there. There's cruelty, there's shaming, or even a celebration of that loss. That is abuse 100%. If they're forcing abortions or childlessness, if they're coercing her to have sex during her fertile days, so the withholding and, and, and keeping her from conceiving and or the forcing her to get pregnant because so often abusers know if there is a child that they will probably have more power and control over that mother because there's a child involved. And there are a lot of religious cults, we will call them, that, mm, I don't know what the proper word is, idolize or prioritize or almost force a woman to have many, many children And her body is absolutely worn out. And there are women who are pregnant and are breastfeeding for 20 or 30 years on end that live in these communities. And the toll that that wreaks on her body um, 
it's just a lot. It's a lot. And so many of these women um, believe that that's godliness and that's what God has called them to do, but they are mentally, emotionally, physically, in every way, worn out. Their bodies are very beat up and they are susceptible for a lot of illness themselves. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a large family. <clears throat> if that is um, your desire and that is your passion and you are equipped to do that and you have the support of both the husband and the wife, that can be a very beautiful thing. But if it's just the mother caring for the children or the older siblings caring for the, old, the younger children, it can be very, very much an abusive situation. If he is um, sabotaging the use of a condom, so pretending like he's using it or um, breaking it or doing things that are um, untruthful and causing her to get pregnant on purpose against her wishes. If they're using, <coughs> excuse me, I just touched on this. If they're using religious beliefs to forbid prevention or prenatal care, if they're prioritizing her recovery lower than his sexual fulfillment. Those are all examples of reproductive abuse. If you're not familiar with Sheila Ray Gregoire, she has done an amazing job of um, interviewing, that's not the right word. Um, <laughs> I can't find my words. Here we go. This happens like almost every single episode that I just lose a word. She surveyed, that is the word, Heather, surveyed. For her first book, she surveyed, I think it was 20,000 women um, that were raised in like faith, conservative faith communities, and she came up with The Great Sex Rescue, all kinds of amazing uh, findings and data. And then she just released recently, She Deserves Better, and how these harmful teachings that we receive, how harmful they are on us as women, as young women, as mothers. <coughs> So I highly recommend, and her podcast also is a great resource. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, now we move into um, sexual abuse, which is very, very triggering for some. So again, if you need to take a break, if you need to pause this, if you need to walk away from it for a couple hours or a couple days, if you need to speak with your therapist, and the previous episode I encouraged women to just print this off and give this to their therapist and their pastors and different people that are um, in helper mode in their lives because this is very eye-opening for a lot of people. So as we go into this category of sexual um, abuse, please be mindful of yourself, be in tune with what's happening inside of your body. If you begin to feel dysregulated and triggered, do what you need to calm yourself. Uh, take a walk, get out and get some sunshine, hug your fur babies, do whatever you need to do to calm yourself. Sexual abuse may include forcing or withholding sex as punishment. This is not the same as seeking safety. So my disclaimer every time I share this is if you feel unsafe with someone because they have harmed you and you do not want to have sex with that person, that does not make you an abuser. That makes you a victim of abuse who is seeking safety. But if you're doing this to control someone because you know it hurts them, it can be a form of abuse. If he criticizes your body or your sexuality or compares you to others, if he just demands sex as payment for favors or kindnesses or just normal household responsibilities. So responsibilities in the home should be shared. 
especially if she's a stay-at-home mom. I say that. Like, women feel like because they're stay-at-home moms that they should do above and beyond and they should do everything in the home. But your job as a stay-at-home mom is probably more taxing on your physical and mental state than going to a 9-to-5 job. I have high respect, high regard for stay-at-home moms. I was one. Um, I had people minimize that. I had people look down upon me and tell me that I needed to get a real job, that I needed to earn funds. But I knew that I wanted to be at home with my kids and invest in them for as long as I put, as long as I could. So when he gets home <clears throat> from his job, it's not okay for him to just check out and leave you in survival mode. Okay, so um, just be mindful that if he's saying, "Oh, if I do the dishes, or if I cook the dinner, or if I put the kids to bed, then you owe me." No, you do not owe him sex. <clears throat> if he consumes pornography. Pornography or makes you watch explicit material. So this is something that is happening in a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages, and it is a form of sexual abuse. If he has physical or emotional affairs or threatens to cheat, sexual abuse. If you lack intimacy and connection that is safe and bonding. If all he uses your body for is basically a receptacle for him to masturbate in. I mean, that is honestly what a lot of men are doing to their wives. Sheila talks about this a lot on her podcast. Um, A lot of women are honestly just objects to their husbands. They are not receiving any gratification, any pleasure. It's not mutual. It's not safe. And that is sexual abuse. And let me say during this segment that marital rape is a reality for many And if you were raised in conservative church cultures, a lot of us were raised to believe that our bodies no longer belong to us once we're married. And so there are men who are raping their wives on the regular and the women don't even know that it's rape. They believe that just because they're married that he has the right. But if you do not consent, you do not say that you want this, you do not participate willingly, if you are shutting off and numbing and just trying to get through it, chances are high that you have not consented. And it's very, very important that you know that you have value and you have worth and that you, even as a married woman, have the right to say no at any time. You have that right. Um, let's see here. If he sexually abuses or molests your children or other people's children, that is sexual abuse. So it may come as a surprise to you Um, some of the things that are on this list and it may be hard to realize, oh my gosh, I have been sexually abused by my partner for years or decades. So just give yourself grace. If this is new revelation, be kind to yourself. And again, seek the help of a trauma trained, abuse trained, nervous system trained therapist, social abuse, the monitors, Your friendships, your activities, keeps tabs on your phone, your email, your text. Okay, another disclaimer. If you are in a relationship where you both agree that it is okay at any time, and this should be the case in a healthy relationship, at any time, the other person can ask to see your phone, to see your laptop, to see your social media accounts. In a healthy relationship that has trust and has all the foundations of a good, strong, healthy relationship. You should be able to do this. If you have nothing to hide, you should not care. But 
if you are asking to see his phone, his laptop, his socials because he has been unfaithful <clears throat> in the past, that doesn't make you an abuser, okay? This is more someone who is doing this, maybe even unknown to you, um, to control you, to manipulate you, to know where you've been at all times. If they track your social media, they monitor your mileage so that they can be like, you said you went to the store, but that's only 10 miles away. There's 50 miles on your car. What were you really doing? Again, if there is a lack of trust in the relationship that has been broken and you want to do that so that you know he's telling the truth, it's very different than being a controller, an abuser. If he discourages friendships or outside activities and just basically starts to take away the things that bring you life and joy. If he dictates access to your education or your employment, there are so many women who stay in abusive relationships because they have no education and they have no employment and they have no resume and no work history. So if you are someone who chooses to be a stay-at-home mom, I applaud that. I loudly, proudly applaud that. However, what I do encourage is that you have an income stream or multiple income streams from home. So perhaps your children are little. If you have the energy and if you have the spoons to babysit and provide childcare for another child. Sometimes if it's the right child, it can make your job with your own children easier because it gives them a playmate. It gives them entertainment, but make sure it's the right, the right, um, combination for your family, for your child. Make sure you have contracts. So you're getting paid. Um, some women do MLMs. Personally, I'm a little bit burnt out on those. I've been kind of burned by some MLMs, but they can be an option for women who want to stay home and want to promote <clears throat> the health and wellness product, something that you feel passionate about. Make sure it's something that you you connect with so that you are being true to yourself. Don't promote a product that you don't feel good about or a product that you maybe don't agree with or have reservations about. Um, there are a lot of online opportunities now, remote jobs that you can work from home. Uh, medical coding is a great opportunity for women. Um, you can get certified through that and you can make some really good money doing medical coding and you can pick and choose with a lot of these companies, how many hours you work. So do something from home to bring income. This is just wise, even if you're not in an abusive situation, because life can happen and an injury can happen an illness can happen. Um, unplanned, untimely, a young person can pass away. So it's just really good for a woman to have skills and to have something to fall back on. Can't, can't um, share that enough. And if they keep you at home and don't allow you to go out. So this could be like not having access to the means to go and do the things you want to do. <clears throat> All right, spiritual abuse. If you are a part of my group, Held and Healed, you know that this is something we discuss a lot. A lot. This is something that I am very passionate about bringing to light and exposing. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes where I give examples, very specific examples of what spiritual abuse looks like, please go back and grab those episodes and maybe some lights will go on, some alarms will go off in your head. Spiritual abuse may be when they use religion to gain the advantage over you. They may leverage spiritual leaders against you basically saying, well, I'm going to tell the pastor you did this, or I'm going to tell leadership you did that, or this leader or this pastor wouldn't appreciate what you're doing right now. A lot of abusers are in churches with spiritual 
leaders who are abusers. And so um, they are passing down ungodly content and twisted scriptures and a view of God that is not true. And so if they're leveraging that against you, if they're twisting scriptures to avoid accountability, that is spiritual abuse. And this is rampant. They'll take and cherry pick a verse, take it out of context, not look at original language. They won't look at original, the culture, the context, any of that. They'll just pick one verse out and they'll use that to harm you, to beat you up and to keep you, um, under, under their abuse. If they silence you with sacred texts, scriptures, if they believe you need them in order to understand your religion, so it's very condescending that you can't receive God and you can't reach God without them. So if you're listening to this in real time, um, there's several documentaries that have come out recently and I'm trying to pace myself And I'm trying to honor my limits because I can only take in so much of this at a time before I become very, very dysregulated. So a couple weeks ago, I took time to watch the newer episode, um, the newer documentary series, um, Secrets of Hillsong. I just was wrecked. I was wrecked because I, for probably 20 years, um, I loved the music, especially when Darling Sheck was still at Hillsong. Once she left, it's funny, now that I see the timeline of when things begin to come out, it looks like Darlene left before a lot of this bad stuff started to be revealed, even though I believe the abuse was always there in that church's culture, in that movement's culture. But I loved the Darling Sheck years of worship. She, her voice, her worship was so instrumental in giving me strength and helping me get through some of the hardest years of my life. Some of the hardest, most painful years of my life. That woman's voice and her music soothed me and calmed me. I would love to just sit down and talk with her and be like, did you know this stuff was going on? When were you made aware? Is that when you left? Like, um, So yes, Hillsong music was always, but the thing is, I could never, ever, ever watch a service or a sermon that Brian Houston preached at. It's, it's, it's now that I know what I know, I'm like, my spirit was speaking to me. My spirit was telling me this man is not a good man. I didn't know then what I knew now. I just knew that his presence, his voice I typically love um, British and Australian accents and there was something about his voice and his accent that just it grated on me, I guess. It, it unnerved me. It unsettled me. And now that I know the things that he was involved in, the things that his father was involved in that he covered up, I'm like, whoa, no wonder I couldn't stand more than 30 seconds of listening to that man's voice. So... Um, the other one that has come out this week is the, um, shiny happy people that does a lot of exposing the Duggars and Bill Gothard and, and all of those things that seriously it crept into. So maybe you didn't necessarily grow up knowing who Bill Gothard was, but I could almost guarantee that if you grew up in the last 20, 30 years, in evangelical conservative church culture that your leaders have been influenced by this man. He would, he's not a good dude. He's not a good man. 
And I have heard personal accounts of people that knew him and worked with him and had very close contact with him. Devastating, devastating the abuse. So this is all, um, you know, people who basically believe that they are next to God and you have to go through them to get to God. Anyone who says their way is the only way or their church is the only church or their um, denomination is the only denomination that's chosen by God, that they are God's favorite. Run, 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 run. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. If they have soul-destroying behaviors, which anything on this list can destroy your soul. So if the things on this list are happening in your home and they're still pretending in, in public to be good, godly, a good, godly man, they are spiritually abusing you. When their public persona and their private persona do not match. Red flag, red flag. And then the final category on this list is verbal abuse. If they tell the victim how to do everything, if they cut the victim off in conversation. Okay, I'm going to talk about this right here because I am guilty of interrupting. I am guilty of this. This is something that I am trying to work on. And some of us that have ADHD and trauma has affected our brain and our concentration, our ability to focus. If we have a thought, we think that we're just going to forget it. So we blurt it out. It's not that we're trying to necessarily dominate a conversation. Um, We're not trying to take over a conversation. We're not trying to control. And yet it is still very disrespectful. So I am trying in my own life to be mindful, to listen to hear and not listen to respond. Does that make sense? And so one thing I'm going to do when I interview people on the podcast in the future, because I have gone back and listened to podcasts and I have interrupted people and it makes me just absolutely cringe. Part of that is that I don't have a video and I can't see them. So sometimes we think someone is done talking when we're on the phone or we're on um, an interview like this where we can't see them. And they're actually not done. There can even be a delay. So there are times that I will interrupt someone without even knowing that I'm doing it until a couple words are out and then I feel really, really bad. So what I'm going to do when I interview people in the future is I'm just going to have a piece of paper and a pen handy. And if there's a thought that comes to mind while they are talking, I'm just going to jot it down so that it doesn't leave and it's not gone. But when they are done and they are truly done, then we can come back around. And that may even be like something in conversations that I start to find a way to do that. Um, Because I'm not doing it because I want to um, disrespect someone. I'm not doing it because I want to talk over them. I don't like to be treated that way myself, but I still... I still do it. And so I want to be mindful um, of, of, but this is someone who's doing it because they want to control you and they want you to feel small. If they belittle you or put you down, if they forbid the victim from talking to others about issues, if they shame, silence, or insult you, if they yell, scream, swear, call names. And here I'd like to talk about the difference between, um, Using quote-unquote swear words, quote-unquote cuss words, um, words that, you know, maybe in certain situations you wouldn't be comfortable using. I, I want to encourage you that if you have a therapist that you trust or you have friends that you trust, it is okay to drop some words that you maybe wouldn't use with other people to express the intensity of your emotions and the impact of your trauma. Um... There is a difference between using quote-unquote bad words and cursing or cussing at someone. 
So, um, for example, um, you could say, I am so tired of someone's BS and, and say the actual word, okay? That is very, very different. Um, that's probably not the best word to use. Um, than saying you are a piece of BS, okay? See the difference there? Expressing that what was done to you and the harm that was done to you was absolute and utter BS. It's one thing. Calling someone a degrading name is a different thing. So I've tried to um, explain to people that I love, like I can handle you dropping these words as long as you're just getting out your emotions and you're getting out your frustrations but if you come at me and you use those words towards me, we're going to have a different situation here. So if you need to use this really strong language to express your frustration, your pain, your trauma, um, I want people to feel comfortable doing that around me. But if you're coming at me and you're calling me names and you're using profanity to harm me, that's where I'm going to draw a line. I hope that, I hope that makes a lot of sense. If they publicly humiliate you, that can be a form of verbal abuse. So I think about like leaders that get up in the pulpit and they share stories about their wives or their children and they didn't have permission to do that. Or even if they asked permission and their, their wives or children felt like they didn't have a choice and so they quote unquote gave permission, that's not necessarily okay. Things that happen in your home that are private, um, should stay that way and they shouldn't be shared publicly to humiliate your wife or your kids. Your your wife and your children should not be your sermon illustrations. Hello, hello, hello. They just shouldn't be. So that's a form of verbal, emotional, psychological, spiritual, all those types of abuses. So if you have a leader that does that on the regular, if you have a leader that talks about their um, intimate relationships, their sex lives with their spouse, red flag, red flag, red flag, run, run, run. The pulpit is not a place, or private conversations is not a place to share intimate details of your your life and your sex life. So those are the rest of the examples on that sheet. Again, I will drop the link for Sarah's website. I believe it's just wildsomething.com. I don't think the wilderness to wild is in the actual um, email or website address. Please check out the link um, on my page for the retreat. Go there and look at all the specifics of what we're going to be covering. And if you are a lady that would like to join us, you don't necessarily have to be an abuse survivor. The things we're going to talk about with rest and regulation and resetting our nervous system, those are things that every woman could benefit from. So please, please, please feel free to go and uh, sign up for that. Um, at this time, I do not have scholarships available. If you are someone who would like to and has the means to pay for another lady, um, I have had multiple women ask me um, if scholarships are available and they're just not right now. So if you um, have the means to cover that um, experience for another woman, um, reach out to me and I will give you the information of how to get signed up so that another woman can jump in and enjoy that content with us. And um, my website, heatherelizabeth.org, you can search the tabs there for the offerings of the other things that I have. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to share before we, um, before we close today. So I just want to say uh, thank you to anyone who listens on the regular. Please, please share this podcast with others who are ready to learn 
with others who um, maybe it's not safe for a woman to come into the Held and Healed group. But if there is a podcast platform that doesn't show like her history, so like for instance, um, Spotify would not be the right place because anything that I listen to on Spotify, it shows up as soon as I open my app. But there are other ways to listen to podcasts where there wouldn't be like a history and she could listen to an episode and leave the app and there wouldn't necessarily be a trail that she had listened. So there are ways you can get together with a friend. Maybe she is in a dangerous situation and she cannot access the group and she cannot, you know, contact people on social media, but you could get together, you know, once a month or once a week and play an episode that you think is um, relevant to her situation and she could get some education and some resources that way. So there are ways that we can help these women. Um, I ask women before they come into the group if they are safe, if someone else has access to their socials or to their passwords or to their devices, it's not going to be safe to come into our group because we are discussing abuse and those notifications will um, come up and their abuser will see them. So um, let's get creative. Let's, Let's use wisdom. Um, always refer women to the National um, Domestic Violence Hotline where they can get some safety and some planning resources. Refer to your local law enforcement, to your local DV shelter. If for some reason those institutions are not helping you, you can go outside of your community until you find someone who will. So we know that with abusers, a lot of times they do have a network and they do have a lot of people on their side. And so Sometimes law enforcement will not listen, or maybe your abuser is in law enforcement. That is a common problem as well. So you may need to go outside of the jurisdiction that he has. So if the county level isn't safe, then you may need to go to the state level and just go until you find someone who will listen to you. So my hope is that this has been helpful and not overwhelming. Please take care of yourselves. The birds, the birds just got very loud and my dogs are on high alert because they hear the birds. That is our glimmer for the day. Our glimmers are to look for the things that cue safety and peace and joy and they're the opposite of triggers. So we talk about this in our group a lot. So one of my glimmers is anything in nature and the birds this morning are talking to us and helping us to wake up. So blessings to you. I pray that you will feel held even as you are being healed.